Well, this morning I wanted to begin with Matthew 5, and it's because the pastor's got us all memorizing the Sermon on the Mount for this year, and it is difficult. I, I just have a hard time memorizing anything that's not King James. I'm sorry, it's just in me. I've always done it. And so these new translations sometimes are very difficult for me to, uh, to memorize. So, but a lot of it I know already anyway, and when you've learned it one way, it's hard to change and learn it another way. But this teacher's heart just knows that the best thing to do is memorize content. And if you've got understanding and the content, then you can put whatever translation with it that you want and go from there. So as we look at Matthew 5, it begins with a passage of scripture called the Beatitudes. In most translations, each Beatitude begins with the word blessed or blessed. These are pronunciations of blessing from the Lord Jesus himself. Now, some translations for the word blessed are going to use the word happy. Uh, Amplified Bible, I think, says happy and to be envied are these certain groups of people. So it can be blessed, it can be happy, but it's a deeper happiness than the way we usually use the word happy in our culture. Consider for just a minute that Matthew 5 begins the first recorded sermon of the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 are what we call Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It is one sermon, but Jesus taught these same truths many times in many places all throughout the New Testament. So here in the first book of the New Testament, the first gospel, we've got the first sermon of the Lord. Okay, so you can remember it that way. First gospel, first sermon. And so um, it's, it's rich. It's beyond rich. Rich is a poor word for it. But the first word out of Jesus' mouth in his first sermon was blessed or blessed. And the Greek word is makarios. And this word can be, mean happy. It can mean blissful. Um, it's not the world's sense of happiness. Um, that Our world sense of happiness usually is based on circumstances. So this kind of happiness, this blessedness, doesn't have anything to do with circumstances. Uh, it's the idea of a kind of happiness, a blissfulness, a blessedness or a contentedness that is not affected by circumstances. So this is the basic New Testament meaning of blessed or blessed. It is an inner peace, an inner joy that has nothing to do with circumstances. It's a state of well-being, and it is the state in which God desires for his children to live. This is what God wants for his children. He wants it for all of us. And so uh, it's interesting that blessed is a word that sometimes throughout scripture is used to describe God. Uh, in Psalm chapter 68 and verse 35 it says, blessed be God, blessed be God. Uh, Psalm 72 verse 18, blessed be the Lord God. Uh, Psalm 119, 12, blessed art thou, O Lord First uh, Timothy 1.11, Timothy refers to him as the, uh, the, Paul refers to him as the blessed God. And so wherever blessed is, whatever blessed is, it's true of God. 
So it is a character of God and of the Lord Jesus. So foundationally here, let's grasp this. The only people who will ever experience this true blessedness are those who receive Christ and God and receive his divine nature. So we get this blessedness from having him live within us. So notice, first of all, that the Sermon on the Mount is for those who are believers. Those who are believers. Those who know and love the Lord Jesus, who have faith in Christ, and who by faith in Christ have received his divine nature. So this is how we can know the same bliss, the same blessedness, the same happiness that is known by God in Christ, by receiving his divine nature. So once a person knows God through Christ, then blessedness becomes available. It becomes available to him or to her. It's an inward attitude that's based on the very indwelling character of God. So remember that the Gospel of Matthew presents Jesus as king. That's what the Gospel of Matthew does. And so recently in some of our Christmas lessons, we have seen Jesus' ancestry, his genealogy that gave, us, gave his rights as king. We looked at the Magi, the wise men who recognized him as king. And then when he began his earthly ministry, John the Baptist announced him so as we begin the Sermon on the Mount, everybody's been saying he's the king, he's the king, he's the king. Matthew's been identifying him as the king. And so what we're going to do is we're going to hear what the king of the kingdom has to say. So as we leave the Old Testament, things change. When we start the book of Matthew, things have changed. The Old Testament deals with curse. But now as the king begins to speak, he gives blessing, blessing instead of cursing to those who desire it. So immediately in the sermon, we see that Jesus is committed to providing true happiness, lasting happiness. So many people don't know or expect that of Jesus. Um, remember when Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, he caused her to question God's word, was he telling the truth? He caused her to question God's goodness, and he caused her to question God's sovereignty. He basically was saying, God's holding out on you. He doesn't really want good for you. He doesn't want happiness and bliss for you. He wants to withhold that from you. And sadly, that is the mindset of a lot of people, a lot of our society, that, that, he, that God is out to keep us from having a good time that he's out to keep us from being happy. And so that same mindset that was in Eve that was probably prompted by the devil, I guess there's a lot to talk about there, but that, still, that same thought, that same mindset can still haunt us. Um, it seems to linger with us. But here we see the king of the kingdom stepping up in his first sermon to say, that he is committed to providing true, lasting happiness to his children. So here in the very first gospel, Jesus first recorded a sermon. The first word out of his mouth is blessed. And there are nine blesseds that are in the opening of the sermon. 
So the New Testament is all about blessedness. It's all about happiness. It's all about fulfillment and satisfaction. But those things are only for the people in the kingdom. They're only for believers. So look with me there now at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. Matthew 5 and verse 1. Jesus saw the multitudes. Now look at the first verse. And when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountainside or up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. I guess I've noticed that more in this this time of studying it than I ever really thought about that before. So what's the sequence? Jesus saw the multitudes. And when you read the New Testament, you see that multitudes always caught Jesus' attention. When he saw a multitude, something moved in him. He had compassion on them. He always wanted to help them. Uh, scripture says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Uh, and when they were hungry, he fed them. And so if they were sick, he healed them. If they were demon-possessed, he delivered them. If they were ignorant, he taught them. So his eye, his heart was on the multitude. And so here he sees another multitude, and crowds were attracted to Jesus. Pharisees and publicans and prostitutes and scholars and illiterate and rich and beggars, well and sick, men and women, they were all there. So you've got this huge crowd of all kinds of people with all kinds of needs, the multitude. And so he saw them, this verse said. He saw them. So what did he do? He went up on the mountain. He sat down. Now, remember that rabbis sat down to teach. So he sat down, and then his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them. Now, the multitudes were there, but the disciples were up close. Uh, they don't have a sound system, okay? They don't have video screens, so you could only hear so much unless you were up close. And so the disciples were there, the up closest ones, <laughs> and so the disciples were there, and the disciples are the ones that would have heard every word. And Jesus began to talk about happiness. Now, let me clarify one thing. The disciples, the 12 would have been there, plus other followers. So when it says disciples, it's not just talking about the 12. It's talking about any of those who were following him, who cared what he was going to say, who were going to push in to get close enough to hear him. And so really, instead of the 12 apostles, the literal word is followers. So you've got a lot of people pushing up close. Ever how many disciples there were? It was the 12 plus others and so the message is for everybody the message was for the multitude but it can only be grasped by those in whom God has done a work in their hearts and so believing hearts and hearing ears can understand what Jesus is saying so a lot of people were there that were not in that category so Jesus began to teach the principles of the kingdom all right, so here you go for memorizing. Get it in your mind. He saw the multitude. He went up on the mountain. 
He sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach. So that's the beginning of the chapter. Got it? He saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, he sat down, the disciples came to him, and he began to teach. And so he begins with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now probably they're going to go, huh? Psalm 144.15 says, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. God wants our lives to be filled with joy. He wants to bless us. So push aside all of the wrong teaching, all of the suspicions of God in society, all of the things that Satan wants us to believe about him, and know that God wants our lives to be filled with blessings. He wants to bless us. He wants us to experience that deep inner bliss. Blessedness, happiness, and joy are to be characteristic of a believer. It is us believers that are supposed to go in the world to show the blessedness, the joy, the happiness, the security. And so um, everybody wants to hear about happiness. Don't you see a lot of books? You see a lot of stuff on social media about how to be happy, how to be happy. Well, everyone wants to hear about that. And God wants to bring us true blessedness. Well, how do you find it? How do you find true blessedness? How do you know um, that you're truly blessed? Well, the Beatitudes answer that question. Now, the Beatitudes tell us the opposite of what the world will tell us about how to be happy. They're two totally different things. And so it's the opposite. Jesus is saying that to be happy, how to be happy is the opposite of what you might assume. The world's going to tell us if you really want to be happy, you're going to have money, you're going to have a house, you're going to have a bunch of kids, you're going to have family. The world's got its definitions, and certainly those things bring joy. But Jesus is being very specific here, and they tell us the opposite of what we would assume. Now, because we are in the world, it is easy for us as believers to be shaped by the world. We are going to be influenced by the world. It is easy. It's like walking through, going to eat at a Mexican restaurant, you're going to come out smelling like Mexican food, right? Your clothes are going to smell, or if you cook salmon in the house, oh my goodness. So whatever's around us, we're going to be influenced by it. We're going to be exposed to it. And so we as believers are exposed to what? The TV, social media, internet, books, newspapers, magazines, radio, music, movies, all feeding into us, all feeding into us the world's perspective. And when it stays there, it corrupts our thinking. And we begin to think like that, and that's why it's so important for us as believers to stay in the word of God and to continue to calibrate our thinking in line with all that stuff we're absorbing just by being in the world. So here in Jesus' first statement, he gets to the core of true happiness. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So here's the deal. Happiness begins by entering the kingdom. The first step of happiness, of true blessedness, enter, it happens by entering the kingdom. Outside the kingdom, there is no happiness that will last. 
There is no genuine contentment. There is no genuine peace that's going to last because we only get that where? From God, from the indwelling presence of God. So the kingdom, the kingdom of God is a place for God to pour out blessing. God offers us salvation first to bring us true happiness. That's where it begins. Joy, bliss, contentment, those things begin by being in the kingdom. So the first step is by being poor in spirit. Now, let me just hasten to show you, does it just say poor? Blessed are those who are poor. Is that what your Bible says? No. There are some people who want to do away with in spirit and say that, oh, you are so blessed if you are poor. And there are some denominations that think they're going to be blessed and pleasing to God if they give up all resources. You know, it's just out there because people misinterpret what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying you're blessed to be poor. How would this make any sense? If he says you are blessed to be poor and you're over here starving to death and don't have a place to live, don't have a place to sleep, and here's God saying you're blessed, why would he say feed the poor, clothe the naked, help those who need a place to live? Why would he say that? That wouldn't make any sense, would it? But he's not saying that you're blessed if you're poor. He's saying you're blessed if you are poor in spirit. That means that you're going to recognize your own spiritual poverty. You realize you're outside the kingdom of God and you can't get in there on your own. That's what it is to be poor in spirit. So Jesus is saying you cannot be happy. You cannot enter my kingdom until you realize your spiritual poverty. So this was important information to those Jews who were so proud of their religion. This was important information to those Jews who thought that they had achieved something for God, who thought that their positions and their sacrifices that they offered to God, who thought that their self-righteousness was wonderful. And so they were self-confident in their own goodness. And here comes Jesus saying, what? Uh-uh. That's not the way this works. This is where it all begins. Nothing else happens until the first beatitude takes place. Everything else, all the other beatitudes are going to rest on this one. Because we cannot experience the happiness that Jesus is talking about if we are not poor in spirit. Now, if I'm holding on to my own self-importance, my own self-righteousness, my own accomplishments and morality and religiosity, and I have the idea somehow these things give me access to God. I'm just good enough to go to God. God ought to be pleased with me. He ought to just be tickled that, he, that I'm his. Then as long as my hands are full of that, then I will never receive the treasure that God has for me. We can't have both. And so happiness and the kingdom are only for those who know that we are not worthy. Until we see ourselves clothed in filthy rags, then we cannot appreciate the robe of righteousness that Christ gives us. So this is not material poverty. This is about being a spiritual beggar. 
It is about being so destitute that all you can do is beg God because you have nothing to offer him and you know it. You're not able to work to get it. Uh, all you can depend on is gifts. All you can depend on is for him to give it to you. You have no resources, no talents. And so the word picture here is of a beggar who would crouch and cover his face with a garment and hold out his hand because he was ashamed to even let the giver know that his identity. So it's being shamed before God. And so he says, if you want to enter the kingdom, if you want God's happiness, that's where you have to start, by knowing that you are spiritually bankrupt and that you have absolutely nothing to offer to God that would make him want you. You understand that spiritually, spiritually, you are empty and poor and helpless and bankrupt and have absolutely nothing to contribute to your salvation. Nothing. You need mercy and grace. So as a beggar, you're going to go to God and hold out your hand. And so he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's the promise? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's how you get in. So blessed are the spiritually bankrupt and know it. Blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt and know it. Blessed are the spiritual beggars. Blessed are those who know that there is nothing but Christ and Christ alone. So when we enter the kingdom, we enter acknowledging that Jesus is the king. Any kingdom has a king. And so when we come into the kingdom, we come under his rule under his authority, under his blessing, and we realize our spiritual poverty. Well, then what do we do? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Now, we're going to spend time on this next week, but let me tell you, um, it's not talking about being blessed when your heart is broken in grief. It's talking about mourning over your sin. Blessed are they who mourn. See how that stands on blessed are those who are poor in spirit. So when I'm poor in spirit and I see my sin, then I'm going to mourn over that sin. And what's the promise? They'll be comforted. Why? Because you know you're poor in spirit. Now, I'm going to see if I can put this microphone right here. One of the things sometimes it helps me memorize and helps some other people memorize is some of us are tactile kinesthetic learners. And so sometimes it helps if you can move through with motions, okay? So in American Sign Language, poor in spirit is poor in spirit. Okay, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't have to sign all that, but I'm mostly just worried about getting these in order. Okay, so blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So he's talking about mourning over sin. 
But what we want to grasp this morning, before we go into the rest of it, and I'm, we're going to have a hard time catching up with the church maybe. Maybe they'll give us another week on the two verses we have today because we've started after they've started memorizing. But the first one is what? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay? So that's the first thing. And then blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. But here's what I want us to leave here with today. Believers are, to, are blessed people who are supposed to be full of joy in spite of circumstances. It doesn't mean you'll never grieve. It doesn't mean you'll never be sad. It doesn't mean your heart will never be broken. But it means that when that happens, there's an abiding contentment in who God is and who Jesus is. And by his indwelling in us, we have the blessedness that is characteristic of God. Now, you may have to dwell on that a minute to get your mind to wrap around that, but here's the deal. It has a lot has to do with um, evangelism because so many people, all they're looking for is an excuse not to come to church, an excuse not to come to Christ. And so when we see that happening, then, and they look in the church and they just see a bunch of people with a bunch of rules that are really not as well off as they are, you know. They don't ever laugh. They don't ever have a good time. Then we mess up the good news because what did Jesus come to do? Bring the good news. What is the good news? That God's people are blessed, joyful, to be envied, satisfied. Um, not into singing much these days, but I was thinking... Many years ago, those of who re, who've been here as long as I have may remember when Dick Barrett was um, minister of music, and he did a lot of revival music. And one of the big revival songs during those years that we would sing often when we had revival in the church was "Happiness Is the Lord." Y'all know that song? Here I go. It goes like this: Happiness is to know the Savior, living a life within His favor. Having a change in my behavior, happiness is the Lord. Real joy is mine, no matter if teardrops start. I've found the secret, it's Jesus in my heart. Right? That's the lesson. Happiness is to be forgiven, living the life that's worth the living, taking a trip that leads to heaven. Happiness is the Lord. And that's the gist of the first beatitude. Uh, Callie's got another version. It goes like this. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? That's the kingdom of God. There's joy in the kingdom. So much joy in the kingdom. There's joy in the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. That's the message. 
that we as believers need to demonstrate to the world. Do you have any questions or comments? Let's pray. Father, would you put this in our hearts and help us to walk out the joy that you have given to us, even in spite of our circumstances. Let the world know what you are like because we are faithful to walk out your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's snowing. <laughs>